Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The aughts, the years between January 1st, 2000 and December 31st, 2009, were a tumultuous period to say the least. Still, those difficult times produced some spectacular new works of American pop culture, including in the Broadway musical genre. A slew of shows introduced during that decade became monster smashes, some of them still playing on Broadway today, and many more made significant marks in the Broadway canon. Now the Great Pop Culture Debate podcast wants to answer the question, what is the best 2000s Broadway musical? There's a moment you you know, you're fucked. And for me, that was as soon as I realized the Broadway gays are going to tear this episode to shreds. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please help me welcome my panel for this episode. First, there's a fine, fine line between our next debater and a bitch. Uh, who am I kidding? There's no line at all. It's Curtis Creekmore. You can't tell, but there are puppets having sex behind me right now. <laughs> Mm, yes, puppets. I see you, Mr. Fister. Now, normally you can catch him dancing in his robe, but tonight he is thoroughly ecstatic to be here with us. It's Gary Jackson. Eric, gimme, gimme, gimme more, Miss Millie. Hello. Unfor- <laughs> Hello. Unfortunately, I can only give you less Miss Millie because she went out in round one. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but forget about the boy. Uh, next, she heard the bells and now she can't stop the beat. It's Joel Bodecker. I don't know how to stop the beat, Eric. Can you help me? Um, They make a pill for that. And yes, there is an anal option. (laughs) Finally, Mama, he's a big girl now. Please welcome special guest and Patreon supporter Trey Radu Blackburn. Oh, it is going to get hot and heavy and I'm already sweaty. Well, the flasher next door asked me to tell you good morning. Now, if you're curious about how we ended up with this top 16, become a Patreon supporter of the podcast or check the bonus preview of this episode on your podcast platform of choice in which we go through the whole bracket up to this point. And don't forget, you can head to greatpopculturedebate.com and find the listener bracket for this episode so you can play along with us at home. Before we get into the debates, I want to make clear the parameters of what we're discussing this episode. The shows we discussed had to be new shows, not revivals, that debuted on actual Broadway, not off-Broadway, between January 1st, 2000 and December 31st, 2009. That's it. Anything that fell out of that parameters, we didn't discuss. With that out of the way, my blood pressure is already defying gravity, so let's move on to these debates. First, the panel is overwhelmingly in favor of ultimate number one seed Wicked, which is currently up against four seed Caroline or Change. Is everyone fine with letting the... um? popular vote move uh wicked move forward into round three um we did discuss caroline at length in round one any objections to this gary with wicked or caroline i am with wicked all right curtis wicked trey wicked miss baltimore crabs aka joelle bodecker (laughs) (laughs) i am i guess i'm with wicked just yeah no problem. We did. Uh, so I, I think we all said it's a very interesting show. It's a very ambitious show. But I mean, we're talking about juggernauts in this and Wicked is Wicked. So it's moving on to round three. Next, three seed the producers may be experiencing a legitimate bomb as two seed Mamma Mia seems poised to advance to round three. Curtis, you can dance. You can jive. Explain why you are having the time of your life with Mamma Mia. I will explain why we should all watch Ula dance into round three with the producers. I'm going to have Curtis go first. 
So I'm honestly not typically a fan of jukebox musicals, but ABBA has a very special place in my gay little heart. I used to steal my mom's ABBA Gold CD and listen to it while I played video games. To this day, when I hear Super Trooper, I am transported back to my bedroom floor playing Super Mario Tennis on my Nintendo 64. But I digress. It is a pretty amazing feat to take a collection of songs that were written about without really any through line in mind and then build an interesting, relatively coherent storyline to celebrate them. The show is by no means groundbreaking, but it's a romp. It was nominated for five Tonys in 2002, including Best Musical, though it garnered no wins, which is unfortunate. Over 65 million people have seen this show. It has grossed $4 billion worldwide. While it closed on Broadway back in 2015, the show is still playing in the Novello Theater in London's West End today. And I love it. I'm sure it's also touring. Uh, It's probably probably making just a a mint touring. Um, I don't have those facts and figures at my disposal for the producers. (laughs) Thank you. Get good. Um, But I will talk about why I like it. Oh, of course you can, Joelle. You're an angel. (laughs) Get them ready for me. Um, I think it is very important for us, especially in this debate, to remember that when it debuted on Broadway in 2001, it was an absolute sensation. You absolutely could not get tickets to this show for months. It was the hottest thing in town. It's a great show. It's a faithful adaptation of Mel Brooks's 1967 non-musical film about a Broadway musical, which makes sense because, you know, Mel Brooks also wrote this. The songs are largely excellent. I want to be a producer. Keep it gay. If you got it, flaunt it. And the springtime for Hitler number is an absolutely batshit moment that likely inspired future shows like the Book of Mormon spooky Mormon hell dream. The original cast is peerless. Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick, Roger Bart. More than that, we're talking about original Broadway music up against a jukebox musical. I love ABBA, but I'm sorry, this is no contest for me. Joelle, can you uh, help a a hooker out with some numbers for the producers? Uh, It had 2,500 performances. It ran for six years. Uh, It won 12 Tonys. It was nominated for 15 if wow. I'm correct, I might. I might, have, I might have combined like you know when it's like multiple featured actors are yeah. are nominated, it but won, it's something. It, if I might, it, it won every Tony it was eligible for because of some of the doubling up. Ah, okay. wow, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a critical and commercial smash, uh, and I just think that needs to be discussed. So, with that being said, Gary, where are you on this one? Oh, I. What you just said, Eric, um, I prefer like the idea of it being original. It's like a high criteria for me. So I'm taking it that we're going with the producer. Yes, that's a yes. Trey, uh, where are you on this one? Um, Mama Mia holds a special place in my heart because I went to see the movie with my best friend in high uh, college, Caitlin. Hi, friend. Um, and then we immediately had an ABBA dance party in her house. As one back does. in the sewer. Mm-hmm. Um but was she I, a Teenage I, Mutant Ninja Turtle? Why were you in the sewer? I'm Moonlight as April O'Neil, but we can't talk about that. 
Uh, but I think uh, I'm going to have to give it to the producers just because of the original music. All right. Uh, where are you, Joelle? Um, despite having the facts, I still prefer Mamma Mia. I think it's just much more joyful. I don't, I get that people loved the producers. I don't think it stands up at all anymore. Whereas Mamma Mia is literally timeless. For, for a jukebox, jukebox musical, I love that Mamma Mia actually is a cohesive story. I, I don't think it's sort of a cohesive story. I think it starts mm-hmm. with an actual goal and intention and plot there's dancing breaks because it's a fucking musical and you're allowed to do that and break it up in the middle so i think right now it's trey myself gary producers curtis and joelle for mama mia which means producers would move forward we at least got to talk about mama mia and it is a very important show for 2000s broadway a a tremendous legacy but we are moving the producers into round three next the majority of the panel wants to continue touching one seed spring awakening but gary is saying hell no and prefers four seed the color purple gary say i'm here as you try to get us to push the button for the color purple curtis do what you can to make sure awakening doesn't get left behind gary you go first off the bat these are two of my favorite musicals uh my again criteria is i love like i live for a heavy moment but it's the journey of um, seely african-american woman who is like from the early mid to 20th century. And so just with all of that um, and trying to find her beauty. And I think what I love about this musical is, is absolutely stunning that the score is, if you love a belting queen, this is a good show for you. Um, But I think it captures so much more beauty and the essence of not being beautiful um, is raw. Um, It, yeah, I think it's just such a beautiful story. Um, It's heavy. It, has a little hint of lesbianism there, um, mm-hmm. but but faith and family, and it's just it's just culturally rich. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, thank you for that, Gary. Great argument, Curtis. Where are you on Spring Awakening? The Color Purple is my favorite book. It is my favorite movie, and one would think that it would be my favorite musical, and it is absolutely up there. But in my opinion, Spring Awakening has a better book of music on the whole. There are more songs that I enjoy listening to and singing in Spring Awakening. The first time I saw Spring Awakening was actually a very, very regional production that had so many rough edges, it should have been reported to OSHA. (laughs) However, there was a show stealer in the midst as the woman playing Martha, who is the poor child that's being sexually abused by her father, Her performance of The Dark I Know Well set in stone my love for this show. It was raw, it was tragically beautiful, and it was just so well performed and sung. Spring Awakening was nominated for 11 Tonys and won a whopping eight, including Best Musical Lead Actor and Featured Actor. Somehow Leah Michelle missed out on a nomination for Best Lead Actress. Um, It's a challenging matchup. But at the end of the season, it's Spring Awakening. Uh, Joelle, where are you on this one? So it's just fascinating that it's like the two musicals about sexual abuse are up against each other. That's a kind of a heinous crime we've committed here. Yep. Um, I adore Spring Awakening. It, it's, it's just part of my heart. Um, so that's the one. All right. Trey, where are you? Spring Awakening really like hit me in the at the right time. Uh, as a young, angsty college gay, 
Um, I just really loved it. I mean, did I walk down the aisle to What About Love from The Color of Purple? Yes, I did. But I have to go with Spring Awakening on this one. I just love the show so much. And it's it's a crime uh, that I'm going to have to call Letitia James about that these two are against each other. Yeah. No, I agree. I blame society. And I, I genuinely do because it was people who took the bull, not me. Um, <sighs> um, I would like to put them both into round three. I cannot put them both into round three. If this was the revival cast of Color Purple versus the original cast of Spring Awakening, I'm not sure where I'd vote to be very candid with you because that revival cast is stacked. The original cast did not have the level of power that it should have, in my opinion. Um and Spring Awakening is pretty much faultless in in its entire conception for the original group. So I'm giving it to Spring Awakening there. I'm sorry, Gary. Uh, it, it's a great show. I agree. Like, Sally, I actually agree with all this. It's just like, oh, But yeah, Spring yeah. Awakening, yeah. It's heartbreaking. We will be advancing Spring Awakening into round three. Next, the majority of the panel continues to wonder, what do you do with a BA in English? And also, why wouldn't we advance Two Seed Avenue Q into round three over Six Seed Mary Poppins? And I actually think it may be unanimous. Trey, I wasn't sure. Where are you going in this one? Avenue Q or Mary Poppins? Uh, I'm going to go Avenue Q on this one. Okay. Yeah. And everybody else is on Avenue Q. Joel, yep. Gary, Curtis. Yeah. Yep. Great. We did talk about Mary Poppins doing some great stuff with stagecraft when it came out in the 2000s. It was very inventive. But in terms, I mean, you want to talk about inventive and doing new things on Broadway. I give you puppet fucking Exactly. <laughs> so uh, Avenue Q advances into round three. Next, the panel is split between one seed in the Heights and four seed Aida. Joelle, I don't need 96,000 reasons to advance Heights, but I need you to give me at least one. Gary, explain why every story is a love story and Aida's is one for the most memorable. Joelle, you go first. In the Heights is, it's beautiful music. I think one of the things that I immediately loved about the, sh- the show when I first started listening to this, the sound, you, f- you literally feel like you are walking through Washington Heights while listening to this to the music from the show. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda did just a beautiful job of expressing his culture, his home into this show. There's so many songs in it that I could just sing just for fun, listen to for fun. That doesn't have to be the whole, you know, the whole experience to actually just appreciate every beat rhythm of it. Um, I think when we first talked about in the Heights back when we did the best Tony winning Broadway show. Mm-hmm. It was very fresh off of the uh, movie adaptation. Mm-hmm. And yep. there was some some sort of like bias towards that. And I think some of that has faded in the last couple of years. But when I think about this show and I recently listened to Aida again, I saw Aida live in its first run when I was in college with my parents. It was so beautiful, but I remember nothing about it. <laughs> and mm. whereas in the Heights, like I could picture I don't have to see the show to start picturing what's happening on stage. Like it's just so well written that I, I can, I can get it just by listening to it. Yeah. I'm going to stop there. Okay. Gary, talk to me about Aida. So yeah, Aida is dear to my heart. Uh, it was my senior show that I did in high school. Um, I played Marip in it. Um, and so I just fell in love with the score. It is based off the opera Aida um, and it was originally supposed to be a Disney animated movie. Um, and it's when Disney was coming off of their big 
new lead to Broadway run with Lion King, I believe. Um, but it's the story of Aida, an enslaved Nubian princess who finds forbidden love in Rana Mays, her captor. Um, but this show had a four-year Broadway run, four Tony Awards, and it was named by Times Magazine as one of the top 10 theater productions. Um, and some of the, the scores, obviously by Elton John and Tim Rice, um, but it weaves a variety of styles from reggae to pop influences. And some of the notable songs that I think a lot of people know, first one is Strongest Suit, uh, but for me it's Fortune Favors and Ease, uh, Easy As Life. Um, and this is, I think, for me when Heather Headley just captures my like soul with her amazing pipes. Um, yeah, Aida is dear, dear, dear to my heart. Great. Thank you very much. Curtis, where are you on this one? Mary the Princess Rodimaze. It's Aida for me. <laughs> Trey, where are you? I've got to go with Aida on this one. It was This is was one of the harder matchups for me. Um, if you've listened to this podcast before, we've talked about In the Heights a few times, and I've been pretty um, hard on the show. I thought, Joelle, you did a great job arguing for it. I agree with everything you just said. You absolutely get the feeling of the neighborhood. The songs are great. It's 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 not a bad show. I just I like to call it in the hype. Like I wish I loved mm. in the heights as much as everyone tells me how much they love in the heights. Do you know what I mean? I think Aida is a great show. In the Heights is really important because it gets us to Hamilton, but Aida is a great show in and of itself. And I think In the Heights is a good show with great music. That's how I would describe it. So um maybe shocking for people to have In the Heights going out so early, but it is in Aida, which is actually, I think, is a 2000. Uh, it's, it's one of our earlier mm-hmm. shows on here. We'll advance March. into March 2000, right? Uh, we'll advance into round three. Next, the majority of the panel wants the big brains of 3C, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, to A-D-V-A-N-C-E to round three. But Joelle says, oh my God, you guys, and is raising an objection in favor of 2C Legally Blonde the musical. Joelle, explain why you are positive that what you want is Legally Blonde in round three. Trey, tap your magic foot and create some pandemonium in favor of the spelling bee. I'm going to have Trey go first. So Putnam County, based on a play called C-R-E-P-U-S-C-U-L-E. I did not spell that correctly, but it's crepuscule, <laughs> spelled out. Uh, it ran for 1,136 performances with a national tour. It starred Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Dan Fogler, Celia Keenan-Bolger, Jose Yana. Um, nominated for six Tonys, and it won two of them. Uh, it lost the Grammy uh, for Best Album, Legally Blonde wasn't nominated somehow. And like the songs, we've got I'm Not That Smart, where you're just like giggling about this kid that's put upon by all of his older siblings. My Unfortunate Erection, which no one has ever said, (laughs) but it's one of those songs that you just, the first time you hear it, you're a little bit shocked because you've got this adult as a child talking about his penis and it's, a song that you can go back to over and over. I also enjoyed how inventive Putnam County is because you also bring the audience on stage for that show uh, as participants, which I don't think happens. Um, And they would always bring in sometimes a celebrity. So like Julie Andrews did a performance one night where they asked her to spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious (laughs) and she misspelled it because she hadn't seen the show. Um, (laughs) 
it's it's something for everyone, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, that being said, Joelle, talk to me about Legally Blonde, the musical. Um, so Legally Blonde is a show I did not expect to love. I, the concept alone, I was like, what the hell are they thinking? A movie that I think everyone universally loves that movie. Maybe I'm wrong about that one. Um, when that when when it came out, it was they were brilliant in releasing the uh, the, the the recording like two days after the show was uh, started on Broadway, and it, I think it, it just it pulled people in just with the music alone, with the, just the pink of it all, that Barbie pink that they used all over the show. Mean Girls did it a decade later. Um, it also is really smart it, it it took the story of legally blonde but they spread it out across these different songs and you're learning people's you know their heart songs as you're watching the show uh never in my life would i have um imagined um what's his face wilson luke, luke wilson. wilson luke wilson never would i have imagined his character had the the depth that i think christian barl's character in the in the show brought to it um laura bell bundy is just an absolute goddamn queen i'm listening to her voice um, it, it brought us Annalie Ashford, who later went on to a thousand million incredible things. Um, it did not do well in awards. And for some reason, it was not nominated for a Grammy, despite the fact MTV did a fucking casting for that show, yep. which I watched, yep. you better believe, weekly with yep. Haley Duff as the host. Yep. Um, I loved everything about that stupid show. And then those and then those girls went on to actually be in the show. It was amazing. Um it was it was of its time, and it was only of its time. Like it, it really, people aren't still talking about this musical, you know, fifteen years later. But they were in that moment. I think it was just it was a surprise hit for everybody, for certainly a generation. Great arguments, both Gary. Where are you on this one? So you guys, I was in like seventh grade, and I had to do this uh, spelling bee, and I lost on the word where W E R E. So. Obviously, I'm not smart. I'm just pretty. So, <laughs> and, but on a serious note, uh, I think what Trey, you were saying about just the, the musicality of um, Putnam is amazing. And my go-to song is the I Love You song. It is just absolutely incredible. And I was that kid that played all the parts, the mom, the dad, and the, the little girl, all of them, trying to belt my little soul out. Like, I felt it all. I was all of it. Uh, so I'm going with Putnam. And again, seventh grade when this came out. Oh my God. Um, Curtis. <laughs> Gary, where is W E A R or W H E R E, not W E R E? This is not a spelling bee. Unless Letter it's fallen by a wolf. What? <laughs> One you put clothing on. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, okay. No, no, no. I initially chose 20th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. I, I, my vote is totally up, totally up in the air here. But the problem for me with Legally Blonde is there are only like two songs that I can name. Oh my God, you guys, and so much better. Those are like- Bend and Snap the- is a song. What you want? What you want? What you want? Positive. Absolutely. They didn't. They're stick. right there. They're right there. Whip they didn't the stick. They didn't. Okay. Okay. Twentieth annual. <laughs> I'm going with the spelling bee. All right. All right. Um, <clears throat> I, I love both of these shows. I love them both. They're both wonderful surprises. When I sat there in the audience for Legally Blonde, I remember turning after like the first couple of numbers and being like, 
who the fuck wrote this? Because I never in a million years would have expected this dumb show to be so catchy, so funny. There's really smart choices they made. Like for me, the one that, that blew me away, they took the character in the movie who's accused of murder, who's a fitness trainer, and they turned her into a, a fitness trainer who uses jump ropes. So there's a huge jump rope dance sequence, which is amazing. And I was like, this is smart. Everybody involved behind the scenes is very smart. Um, in terms of uh, the longevity and the importance to the 2000s, this is where I actually agree with both of the arguments because Legally Blonde was of its time. It was of its time. I don't think we talk about it anymore. It gets played a lot by community theaters, right? It's, I don't see it ever having a revival. Spelling Bee will 100% have a revival at some point. It is part of the Broadway canon in a way. I don't think Legally Blonde is. But I love Legally Blonde. But um, yeah, I'm giving it to Spelling Bee here. So Spelling Bee will advance into round three. We're going to close out round two with two unanimous decisions as One Seed Hairspray was the superior 60-second centered musical with Mr. Pinky's Hefty Hideaway having a clearance sale for Four Seed Jersey Boys and Two Seed Next to Normal was anything but ordinary as it clobbered Three Seed Town. And that's the end of round two. We're going to take a quick break to compete in the Miss Baltimore Crabs pageant. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey listeners, it's Bob from the Great Pop Culture Debate. We hope you're enjoying this episode and that you're yelling back at your speakers telling us how wrong we are. Did you know that there's a much better way to tell us how you feel? Come kiki with our panelists on Discord. Our patrons at the $10 level get access to our exclusive Discord server, where you can share your thoughts about our decisions or, or just gab with our group about everything pop culture. It's like participating in your own episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Untucked. We have something for everyone to talk about, including reality TV, comics, news, nostalgia, and so much more. So if you love Spirited Debate and fabulous people, become a Patreon supporter today and join in on the conversation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back for round three of our best 2000s Broadway musical debate. Before we get into the Elite Eight, I want our panelists to share their social media so the people can tell you about their girlfriend who lives in Canada. Curtis, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, whatever at Kurt Itch, C-U-R-T-I-T-C-H. I, whatever. Yell at me if you want. All right. Oh. So, Gary, what, where can people find you? Yes, you can find me on IG, Instagram. You see us young people, we call it IG. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Bob. <laughs> um, but at Gary Music Man J. Great. Thank you very much, Joelle. How can people find you? Um, I don't really social media myself these days, but if you want to talk to me and my friends that host Pocket Pod, which is an Animal Crossing podcast where we talk about more than Animal Crossing because there's not a lot going on with Animal Crossing, uh, you can follow us on The Pocket Pod on all the places that have social media handles. And you should do it. Trey, how can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Threads if anybody is using that. Oh, right, um, Threads. <laughs> that was a thing uh, that happened. Yeah. Under uh, T K R B three, and three is uh, spelled with the letters. Uh, you can also follow my other Instagram, Bear Left Embroidery, because I do the needle points, and it's kind of queer. Uh, and finally, you can find me at Eric Resniak. That's E R I C R E Z is in zebra, S is in snake, N is in Nancy, Y A K. Oh my God, did I read the 25th annual spelling bee? Um, on Twitter and or Instagram, or just message at Great Pop Culture Debate on Insta or at GPCD on Mastodon. And on tw- on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it this month, it's at Culture underscore Debate. Now let's move on to round three before everyone realizes that I've actually been a figment of my grieving mother psychosis the entirety of Act 1. First up, I believe it may be another unanimous victory for Ultimate Number 1 Seed Wicked, which said that 3C the producers is not that girl. Next, the majority of the panel wants to bear its ass and thrust 1 Seed Spring Awakening into the final four, but I think fantasies really can come true, and I'm continuing to push for 2 Seed Avenue Q. Trey, explain why Awakening is the musical mama who bore you. I will be as loud as the hell I want in my defense of Avenue Q, but Trey, why don't you go first? We've, we've really barely talked about spring awakening sure so spring awakening based on the german play springs awakening uh it's had one revival it's had one national tour it ran for 800 performances a little over 800 performances uh on its initial run it gave us stars like leah michelle jonathan groff john gallagher jr skylar astin jennifer damiano Krista Rodriguez, Steven Spinner. I could continue to name almost everybody in that cast, and they have gone on to do even more things. Uh, it was nominated for 11 Tonys. It had eight wins, including Best Musical, and it won the Grammy uh, for Best Musical Theater Album when it was nominated for that. Uh, it also reignited <laughs> <laughs> like a love for Duncan Sheik to remind us that we were all barely breathing as we were going through the rest of this show. Uh, on a slightly personal note, um, I worked at a Broadway costume build house when the Deaf West revival was happening. And I was the project manager for the build for Cameron Mannheim and Marley Matlin's costumes. And on the final fitting days, I said, thank you so much for being wonderful and break legs. Marley Matlin said to me, I'm a hugger. Can I hug you? And friends, of course, I let that angel human hug me. And so because of that hug, I've got to give it to uh, Avenue Q, which I don't think has aged very well. Oh, no, I gave it to Spring Awakening over Avenue Q. There it is. I'm so sorry. My heart stopped. No, I know. Yeah. I was like, wait, wait, wait. What's happening? You? I just. I know. I. <laughs> I misspoke because I was just excited to say that Avenue Q. Uh, I don't think ages very well, and that was one reason why I have to vote for Spring Awakening. Also. So I think that's an interesting point, um, and I think when you're talking about shows from a particular decade, you have to make the decision. Am I talking about its legacy and how well it continues to work? Or am I talking about how much it worked in that time period? Because I would argue that Avenue Q was possibly the most 2000s of all the 2000s musicals. It was wild. We alluded to it previously. Puppet sex. Graphic puppet sex on stage. Puppets talking about having sexually transmitted diseases. Puppets talking about watching porn. Um, It was just the craziest goddamn thing I had ever seen on Broadway. And beyond that, it is a 
great, 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 great book. The songs are terrific. I don't think there's a bummer in the whole show. Even the slow songs, I absolutely love. There's a fine, fine line is incredible, but that's not the only one. Uh, Fantasies come true. Like there's, there's great music in this show, um, but there's also great music in Spring Awakening. I think Trey makes a good point that um, Spring Awakening can continue to be staged in perpetuity without making any changes to it, and it's going to be great. Avenue Q, if there isn't a revival, has there been a revival? I don't think there has been. It just closed off-Broadway, because after, after it closed on Broadway, it transferred to New World stages off-Broadway. Yep. New World, yes. And it just uh, closed a couple yeah. years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, if they do a revival, I think they're going to have to change some pretty significant things. I don't know how you can do the whole Gary Coleman bit at this point at all. I don't think you can. And maybe they shouldn't have done it to begin with. But I will tell you in the 2000s, when I heard a woman was playing Gary Coleman, the person in this show, and like, it was hilarious. But does it still work? Do all the jokes still work? Now I'm going to put it to a vote. Gary, where are you on this one? I think for me, personally, Spring Awakening is is heavier to me. And I like, I kind of gravitate to that. Um, And so Spring Awakening. All right. Uh, Curtis, where are you? I saw Avenue Q again with Maggie. Hey, girl, the third time in this episode um, in Louisville in a touring cast. And I have to tell you the story because we were mid-puppet sex and the like the entire row of six or seven people who were all over the age of 60 stand up in unison and exit the theater at the same time. It was phenomenal. It was almost like it was like written that way. I adore both of these shows because they are so amazing. I'm still going to vote for Spring Awakening because I think it is the better show, which honestly pains me so much. I know. I hear you. Joel, where are you? Um, at the end of the day, Spring Awakening has stuck with me longer. The music I like better. Um, the the legacy of all the different actors, I think, is stronger for me. So, All right. So we're moving Spring Awakening into the final four. Next, the sweeping romance of Four Seed Aida seems likely to carry into the final four. But I'm still consulting the dictionary for a path forward for Three Seed 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Curtis, fortune favors the brave, so steal yourself and stump for Aida. I can only speak one language, but I'll use it to defend Spelling Bee. And I say that, and I'm finding myself... I feel like we've said what we can say about Spelling Bee. I have nothing more to add at this point. We've argued it pretty tough. It was a very smart show. It's a show that's easily taken. It it, it works at any point in any theater across the country. It's clever. It uh, has great songs. Aida is something different. Curtis, do you want to say why it should advance here? Two words. Heather Headley. Next debate. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, I can go. I I have a a debate. Yeah. Go for it. Okay, let me do it because I know what's coming. So what a show Aida is. The music, the costumes. But for me, what really makes Aida special is the story. And I understand that it's it's built on something else. Aida is based on Verdi's libretto that Gary was talking about earlier of the same name. But the story is changed, in my opinion, for the better to make it easier to follow and less on the nose than the libretto. As I was reading about it, it was very like kind of ham-fisted, heavy-handed. But Aida, the musical, seems a little bit easier to digest. The 2000s were the era of the rock musical, as we kind of talked about throughout this episode and, and the earlier episode. And Elton's music made this an event 
Heather Headley's voice is hauntingly beautiful. And with songs like Elaborate Lives, My Strongest Suit, Written in the Stars, Aida is not only beautiful, but it's also memorable. It was nominated for five Tony Awards. It won four, including Best Original Score and Best Actress for Heather Headley. Spelling Bee is cute. It just doesn't pack the same punch. It doesn't escape the feeling that, to me, it belongs in a high school auditorium, whereas Aida is a true Broadway musical. Okay. Well, that is a hell of a fucking argument. Um, Joelle, where are you on this? I'm firmly with Aida. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Trey, who, who aspired to be William Barfay in his youth, uh, where are you on this? For me, uh, I've got to go with the story that is... It's Aida, Trey. Stop talking. <laughs> You're great. Uh, Gary, where are you on this one? I am sticking with Aida. Curtis, amazing argument for it. Curtis's argument was so good, he convinced me to flip my vote. So it's actually unanimous now for Aida, which will move into the final four. Finally, in round three, the panel is leaning toward two seed next to normal, advancing over one seed hairspray. Gary, why do you think next to normal is anything but ordinary? Trey, explain why we cannot stop the beat from getting into the final four. Trey, do you mind going first? Sure, I can go first. Um, I only... I didn't ever get to see Hairspray. I, was, I attempted to see Hairspray on my high school's trip to New York City, but the school board said that we could not see Hairspray. What? Uh, yeah, I, they didn't give us a uh, reason. I can only imagine it's because of Harvey Feierstein and a dress and maybe some of like the dancing between the whites and the blacks. Like, uh, because Where are you racism. from again, Trey? <laughs> I'm from Iowa. Oh, but, like, Iowa. Okay. In 1962. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was born uh, in 1960, not that. In the um, Sibloose town, obviously. <laughs> that's in Kansas, I'm pretty sure. We don't like Kansas. But uh, so, so Hairspray. Based on the movie, the John Waters movie Hairspray, it's had a national tour. It's had, anyway, it gave us Marissa Jarrett Winoker, who has one of my favorite Tony acceptance speeches in the entire world. She like lifts her body up to get to the microphone because she, she's so short. Harvey Firestein is in that. Laura Bell Bundy character. Carrie Butler, Matthew Morrison is coming back. Shoshana Bean, who is one of people's favorite alphabas, uh, was in the chorus in that show. Um, nominated for 13 Tonys, won eight of them, including Best Musical. It won the Grammy for Best Album of the Year, and every song on that cast album is a bop. It is unskippable from start to finish. Um, it also it tackles racism, it tackles fat phobia. It tackles a bit of agoraphobia. It tackles some poverty. It tackles sexual awakenings. It is a show that can cross so many boundaries. And in the music, you can't stop the beat. And honey, I know where I'm going because I know where I've been. Excellent argument, Trey. Gary, talk to me about Next Normal, which we really haven't talked about that much. Yes. So Next Normal, a rock musical. Um, I, it's kind of what Trey was saying about just like the some of the topics that it covered. Um, but the the main focus is um, on a mother who is struggling with bipolar disorder and and how the impact of her mental illness is impacting the family. And so I think just the perspective of that is just different was is different in general uh, for a musical. 
uh, a musical theater topic. Um, but the, the some of the themes in this show, like Trey was saying about like racism and things like that, for this show is is mental health. Um, it is losing a child. Like it is very dysfunction, nuclear family, like what that looks like. Um, and so it flips that idea of this pick a white fits family on his head. Um, but it was nominated for 11 Tony Awards, winning three, including lead actress for um, Alice Ripley, who I saw when I saw this musical. And it is one of the only shows on our list that actually took a Pulitzer Prize for drama. Um, and some of the notable music songs I know is up against Spring Awakening, but, or Hairspray, but you don't know. Um, Superboy and Invisible Girl. I say that for cabaret in college. See, Bob, I'm moving up to college now <laughs> um, and I'm alive. You know, so those are like, I think that this musical, yeah, it is not as like in the heights or wicked, but it is powerful. Great arguments, both of you. Um, Curtis, where are you on this one? Every fucking one of these is just so challenging to pick between. I love Hairspray. This will be the second time. We must at Nina West when we talk about this episode. <laughs> this is the second time I've spoken about Nina West in this episode. This Hairspray gave a drag queen a, a chance on Broadway. Well, at least a touring company touring of a Broadway company, yeah. show. My vote still goes to Next to Normal. It is a stunning show. Next to Normal tackles things like mental health. I think it was truly the first musical that tackled mental health in this way. So I'm going to go with Next to Normal. Joel. Next to Normal is so special to me. Um, I first saw it before it went to Broadway. It had a brief run in DC, technically in Virginia at the time. Uh, I went in blind. My heart just like broke watching Alice, Alice Ripley on that stage. Like her voice, I can feel her voice. That's how strong I think she is in the show. And who did not fall in love with Aaron Tveit during that uh, show. So that show just has full 2000s for me. It's wonderful. Yeah, this one's, uh, we say this all the time when we get to the day, oh, this is so hard, but this is really hard because these are both exemplary. I also went into Next to Normal knowing nothing about it when I saw it, and I can really only describe it as being slapped in the face by a production, but in a good way. Um, that being said, it never felt like a chore to me. It always felt... Um, I don't want to say welcoming, but accessible. And you didn't want to look away even when it was hard. And it is a hard show, but an important one. Um, Hairspray is much more palatable. It's much more open to everybody. It's much more inviting. The John Waters movie was a cult success. It was subversive at the time that it was released, right? Um, and this takes a cult subversive movie and turns it into a uh, easily palatable Mary from Pacoima can enjoy this show, right? But it still has the social messaging to it, and it still is an authentically John Waters joint. That's a really interesting balancing act, and I think it's actually quite clever. Um, but in terms of what is the more 2000s play, I'm giving it to Next to Normal here. That is it, folks. We have our final four. We're going to take a quick break to enjoy one short day in the Emerald City. We will be right back in five minutes. Thank you, Five. It's not going to be five minutes, I promise. We'll be right back after these messages.
And we are back with the final four of our best 2000s Broadway musical debate. At this point, I always like to look back and see if the final four matches up with what I was thinking you were going to have. Honestly, this one was a total crapshoot. I don't think the brackets were well balanced. I'll be honest about that. I think some of these seedings were fucking bullshit. Um, But we have two one seeds in Wicked and Spring Awakening. Aida is a four seed, our Cinderella story, which is apt considering it's a Disney product. And then Next to Normal is a two seed. Let's start with Wicked versus Spring Awakening. I'm going to go around the horn, starting with Curtis. Where are you on this one? <laughs> Curtis is crying. Spring Awakening. <laughs> I was going to say Cry Baby did not make our, ba- our bracket, not. but no. Our uh, you're at Spring Awakening. Um, yeah. Gary, where are you? I'm going with Spring Awakening. Okay. Um, Joelle, where are you? I'm so glad I don't have to be an asshole about Wicked. Uh, Spring Awakening for me. <laughs> Trey, where are you? I'm with Spring Awakening. Wow. So now let's have a conversation. <laughs> I know this road is running long. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying Spring Awakening is the correct decision here. I'm going to also add Wicked was the ultimate number one seed, and we have not talked about it not at all in the entire bit. <laughs> so let's talk about Wicked, shall we? Wicked was a phenomenon. Wicked um, was- It is. It still is. It's still playing. It's the only show that's still running out of this bracket. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And it's going to keep running forever because not only is it still one of the best selling shows on Broadway currently, but it's also got the musical movie coming out in the next couple years. And if you think that's not going to get an entire other generation in the theater, you're crazy. So I think Wicked actually has the potential to become one of the longest running Broadway musicals of all time. And the only one from the two thousands that has that chance. So I think we have to acknowledge that is Wicked a great show. Wicked is a spectacle and I would say it is kind of the last kind of spectacle in the like Andrew Lloyd Webber vein yes. of Broadway. I was musicals. thinking it was very yeah. much like Phantom of the Opera. Like this yes. will be forever. Uh, yes, that's what it's it a feels like. Too. Oh, hugely commercial success too. Hugely commercial success. Yeah. And it is, let's and, and uh, Gary, I know we you didn't do your argument from round one, so I want you to do that. But I do want to say first. The music in this show is spectacular. The songs are incredible. Defying Gravity, sure. But like literally pretty much every song in there is terrific. Popular Uh. is great. Like they're so, it is so good. I think the rest of the show does not live up to the music. I will say that. Mm. I think the second act is breakneck rushed. I'm like, whoa, we are going through a lot of stuff really fast. Um, I don't advocate for a show being split in half, but like you could with Wicked because it covers a lot of They're narrative doing it with the movie. movies, two movies. They're yeah. doing it. Yeah, exactly. That being said, Gary, I do want you to, what points didn't I cover? Because we, we no, really could I, So just, I, what I love about this show is that this is one of the shows you get you get an understanding of the backstory of what we all know, the Wizard of Oz, and how these characters have become who they are. And I think this show does, like, you it's easily could follow it and be like, oh, Alphaba is the way she, if she's a bitch, she's a bitch because she rightfully so all these freaking um, munchkins and stuff. So it, like, it truly makes sense of why we see these original characters and their behaviors. And But it is beautiful this is a beautiful show it's given us um fall more in love with Kristen Chenoweth um Idina Menzel like really just catapulted their careers and like in in a way of they like they are the originals to do it and this is 
tough music to sing yeah. in general. Um, but it also produced people who came after them all also have chops. Yeah, overall commercial success, obviously. Nominated for 10 Tony Awards in 2004, winning three, including Best Actress for Adina, six Drama Desk Awards, one Grammy Award is Wicked. Um, but I think it does fall in the hype of everyone loves Wicked. And so it's just like naturally would do well. Uh, and so I'll leave it there, but Wicked is amazing. And with all that said, we're eliminating it. No, but the reason I think it is... <laughs> That is the correct decision to go out at Final Four because all of those things are true. But in terms of up against a show with Spring Awakening, which moved the needle for Broadway in many ways, I do believe the Spring Awakening is the correct decision after everything we've said. Aida versus Next to Normal, backwards. Trey, where are you on this one? Oh, no. Why am I first? Uh, I had hairspray going to the championship against Spring Awakening, so I just... Don't know. I So I saw Next to Normal twice. It's the only show on Broadway that I've ever seen, tw- only musical I've seen twice on Broadway. And I sobbed through the back half of the second performance with Marin Nazy, rest in peace, as Diana, uh, singing with her actual husband, whose name escapes me, playing her husband. And you have Aida, which is this beautiful, grand, sweeping musical with Heather Headley, like the queen of all queens that just needs to do more. I think I'm gonna go with Aida. <laughs> Do you okay. have the little, like, the thing made out of paper? The mash right? note. Yes. Yeah, I do. I've got, I've got my cootie catcher I'm trying to gonna figure out what to go, go with. Flip. I, I'm going to go with Aida. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, Joelle, where are you? Um, I've said enough about Next to Normal, and I think I said a little bit about Aida earlier. Uh, I'm. It's Next to Normal for me. It just feels like the right 2000s show. Aida is beautiful it's timeless very well could have been made in 1998 it could have been made two years ago next to normal is specific yeah i like that argument gary where are you i am next to normal because it pushes it pushed a needle in the conversation in a needed direction yeah curtis do you wake up in the morning and need help to lift your head i'm gonna go with next to normal here um it's just such a powerful show that tackled things that no other show has done before. And I love Aida. It's a powerful show in itself. I love the music, but I, I really do think that Next to Normal needs to go forward here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to Next to Normal as well, which gives us a final two of Spring Awakening, a one seed versus Next to Normal two seed. Um, I think these are very similar shows in a lot of ways. And I think they are both quintessentially 2000s shows that were tackling very challenging topics. And that is not necessarily something that people were seeing in Broadway musicals prior to this. I'm not saying it never happened. I'm saying I don't think it was done with the intentionality that these shows did. And you can argue with me on that. That's fine. At me. I'm going to start in the middle of the roll call. Joelle, where are you? It's uh, Spring Awakening versus Next Normal. Um. Curtis, while you were singing just there, the phrase, what it's like to die alive got into my head. And that one phrase from Next to Normal has haunted me for the last 14 years. Spring Awakening is beautiful. And it is it is definitely the show you need at a certain age in your life. Totally fucked, speaks to you. Bitch of a living. All of those, sh- all those songs are like, they, they feel like they're, they're just part of your dialogue. Next to Normal... It, it gets deeper, much, much deeper for me. It's next to normal. All right. Thank you, Gary. 
oh, I hate all of this. Oh, man. I'm like really holding my breath because I don't know. I truly don't know. Um, I would say Spring Awakening, just going off what you said, um, Joelle, is just if I had to just recall a moment of feeling, I felt all of those teenage angst. And so I felt I was way more in that time when I first saw it there with them or experienced some of that. And the the score itself just takes you on that roller coaster to like my favorite song is Purple Summers. And oh. it just like just how it resolves the show. It like cleanses you. Uh, and so I'm going to go with Spring Awakening. Trey. I, yeah, everything that Gary just said is the most correct. Um, I'm going to have to give this one to Spring Awakening, which was my ultimate winner anyways. Curtis. Um, so if you compare everything nuts to bolts, they're, they're both so amazing. I love to look at the live performances at the Tonys and the Spring Awakening show. All of them were in their youth. They did such an amazing job. Joelle talked about it earlier where they like did the totally fucked and they covered their mouths and like they found really interesting ways of being able to deal with that. The next to normal was phenomenal and i'm not taking away from the show itself in that performance but there was just something that was wrong with alice's like in ear or something where she was a beat off and it ruins what is a monumental performance of those two songs that to to be honest as a person from kentucky who did not and would not have been given the opportunity typically to be able to see these shows on broadway in person that is what I see. I see what's on TV and to see and now know that she was off just a little bit is so like disappointing. I love them both. But at the end of the day, when you think of the full book of music and what both of them did, I'm going to give it to Spring Awakening. Purple Summer, like Gary said, is just the, the perfect ending to that show. It is beautiful. Sabrina, the Netflix series took it and made it like they, they made that part of their show as well it's just so perfect that tony's so, performance spring for spring awakening by the way was absolutely unbelievable just watching it again they they figured out how to distill the show into like three minutes and you got the full feeling of it and john gallagher jr having to like wipe away a tear during that tony's performance because he wasn't expecting that cheer when you know he said god i dreamed there was an angel who could hear me it was mm. we haven't even talked about those you've lost. We haven't even talked about so many of the other songs in Spring Awakening. Mama Who Bore Me. Like, we haven't even touched on them, right? And that is not to speak ill of the stuff in Next to Normal at all, but Spring Awakening really is front to back. Also, I think it had a profound impact on the way set design was done on Broadway for quite some time, even into today. Um, It's... To me, it's tackling the hard topics the way Next Normal was, although I love the topics tackled in Next Normal a little bit more. They're more, um, they mean more to me currently than, than being a teenage horn dog, whatever. Um, but uh, there's a universality to Spring Awakening, and I just think it everything was executed at such a high level. And frankly, the pop culture penetration of Spring Awakening far 
more impactful than next to normal. And that's why I'm giving it to Spring Awakening too. I'm sorry, Joelle. No, um, I, I, I fucking love Spring Awakening. I've seen it twice. <laughs> all right. So we're all good then. There you have it, folks. Our pick for the best 2000s Broadway musical winner is Spring Awakening. Do you agree? Do you think there's a fine, fine line between having a podcast and knowing what the hell we're talking about? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or Mastodon. While you're there, make sure you subscribe Subscribe and follow the podcast so you can hear about what new debates are coming soon, vote in open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. If you really enjoyed the episode, please take a minute to like and rate this episode of the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen on. I want to say thank you to my panel. You've helped me prove that the internet is for more than porn. And thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can get even more exclusive content and get episodes a whole day early. We hope you had a good one. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion. S-C-H-A-D-E-N-F-R-E-U-D-E. 